Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hi, I'm Joe Connolly. Today, you're about to meet somebody who probably knows more about the thinking and plans of large New York City businesses than anybody Kathy Wild, president and CEO of the Partnership for New York City. You see her quoted all the time. You're about to meet her. Today with producer Neil A. Caruso, Kathy will tell all of us some thoughts about how the recovery from 9-11 will relate to the recovery now from the pandemic. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you, Joe. What do you think? Any parallels and similarities? Well, 9-11 had a shock impact on the city, obviously, and the country. But it had none of the impact economically that the COVID has had. We, I can give you examples. Uh, the 9-11, Wall Street in particular, was a strategic target. And for a couple months afterwards, we had federal regulators writing new rules that would have put financial institutions a nuclear distance away from New York City. So that we had to really push back and figure out, was there going to be a second attack? What had happened? How are we going to recover? But within one week, September 18th, the New York Stock Exchange rang the opening bell and reopened the economy of the city. So it happened very quickly. And shortly thereafter, we rescheduled the mayoral primary election that had been canceled or interrupted on 9-11. And we had elected a new mayor. And by the end of the year, by December, we had a plan for recovery. We knew that we had suffered 83 billion in losses that were gonna have to be made up. And the, we had figured that private insurance would pay for 75% of that. And the federal government came in with the balance with a $20 billion grant. And that all happened within a matter of a couple months. Wow. So the, when you think about the timing and the level of impact, it happened, we were able to be ready for recovery by January. We hosted the Davos World Economic forum at the Waldorf and had thousands of notable leaders of countries and businesses from around the world flying into New York. 
Now, here we are in the COVID, 16 months after we shut down the city in March of 2020, and we still do not have international travel and tourism back. We have suffered losses that we don't even, we can't even count yet. We have 240,000 small businesses back in 2019. We still don't know what their recovery is going to be. We've got a, an eviction moratorium, so they haven't had to pay rent for the past 18 months. This will be the moratorium ends August 31st. We don't know what our losses will be. On 9-11, we had the temporary displacement of 3,000 small businesses, and we lost about 130,000 jobs, most of which were recovered completely within a year and a half, two years. Today, we're down 462,000 jobs, and we don't know how many of those are going to come back. So the dimensions of this crisis, and, and obviously the geographic impact. I mean, 9-11, the attack wiped out a 16-acre site in the third largest business district in America, Lower Manhattan. But we were back, I, I was in the office a week later, and I'm, in, I'm six blocks from the World Trade Center site. It was smoky, it was smoldering, uh, it was it was scary, but we were back in operation with the COVID. That process, we were closed for completely for non-essential businesses for three months, and then we didn't really reopen fully until June fifteenth, a year and a half later. So just think about those dimensions, and you'll understand how much more complex recovery from the COVID is going to be. Do you think there will be any similarities and that now if the virus stays low and new variants don't resurface to a large degree, that we will now recover more, more quickly than we have? Well, technology is a wonderful thing. And we, as I said at the beginning, 9-11 was a shock. And so it, we were stunned for a few weeks and uh, trying to figure out how to recover from the tragedy of 9-11. The, um, the anxiety associated with the COVID is, comes as no surprise to big business. Our global businesses had a, uh, you know, were, were experienced COVID-19 in China and in Europe before it got here. They were ready. They had already set up their protocols and their plans and their remote operations. And our financial and uh, professional services industries, lawyers, accountants, the technology companies, they were ready. And our economy actually kept going remotely as a result of that they were able to, they were able to keep it going. So the um, today, we're economically on a macro level in better shape, but the implications of this whole remote work situation and what's happened to 
our brick and mortar economy, the small businesses, which are only 9% of the economy, but they're 20% of the jobs. We don't know how many of those are coming back, both the businesses or the jobs. We don't really know the damage caused a year and a half into this. And certainly if the new strains cause a reversal and have people close down again, it will be devastating beyond words. So thank God for Pfizer and Moderna and the Johnson and Johnson, the vaccines, thank God for the vaccines. So we, we've got that positive hope and we got to make sure everybody takes up the vaccines, but that's, that's the challenge we're dealing with today. But that has, um, that has given us hope and the fact that our economy could function remotely and we've got local firms like Peloton and Etsy and Fresh Direct, these firms in the financial industry and the professional services industry, they've all had their best year ever during the year of the COVID. Investment in life sciences in New York, venture capital investment tripled during the COVID. So this is, this is a complicated story that had impacts on certain sectors of our economy. Overall, New York is in good shape, but certain sectors of our economy, and particularly the 462,000 low-wage jobs that we've lost, and the people who are out of work, um, half a million un, uh, undocumented residents of New York City who didn't get the benefit of federal unemployment insurance. I mean, we've got lots of serious issues much more complicated situation than 9-11. Boy, that is one of the most complex economic scenarios, uh, maybe in world history, that you just described beautifully. Neil. Yeah, Joe, absolutely. It's, um, it's complicated beyond belief. And 16 months later, as you point out, Kathy, and you've been out in front, you know, asking offices to bring their workers back, asking workers to be confident and coming back to the office. But as we think about 9-11 and this 20th anniversary, uh, do you get a feeling that there's real COVID fear that's hindering that recovery? Well, there is, certainly there is COVID fear, but I think that the COVID fear has translated more generally into insecurity, financial insecurity, not just health insecurity. Obviously the crime situation in New York that has worsened uh, has, has affected people's sense of personal safety. It's affected the, the mental health and homeless issues on the subways have affected people's uh, security about mass transit. So there are a whole bunch of complicating factors that again, were limited geographically and in terms of timing. 9-11 was a short-term shock to the system. The COVID is not over. Uh, the threat of return creates ongoing anxiety. So these, this is a, a much more wearing, uh, difficult experience, I think, for everybody. You know, you recently surveyed um, businesses and, and found that more than 70%, 71% of um, businesses will continue hybrid. Is that going to hurt the economy? Is it just, do people need to just rethink how we're going to um, add to New York's 
um, you know, thriving uh, of the city moving forward. What do you think? Well, certainly people working remotely has become a new phenomenon, particularly for young people, young office workers who say, why do I have to be in the office or why do I have to be in New York and pay New York rents when I've been doing my job for more than a year from miles away and, uh, and had a backyard and, and a swing set for the kids, whatever. Why do I have to be back in the office? And employers are saying, well, we really, for training, for office culture, for communication, et cetera, we really want a team that's back in the office, but they're not gonna force people to go back to the office because people's lives and their mindset has become complicated. And there's real competition uh, for talent right now. And a lot of talent has left or is contemplating leaving the city as a result of their experience during the COVID. So right now in New York City, we have 387,000 open job postings looking for people who are basically, for the most part, professionally qualified for the jobs available, but also the restaurants that are reopening are looking for people. We don't have a good system for matching people to jobs, for training people at scale for jobs, for credentialing people for jobs. So that's another big challenge. And that certainly is one that will face the next mayor. How do you keep going, Kathy, with all these problems? Well, you know, there's, as I say, the baseline is that our economy only shrunk 3.3% because of the strength of our financial professional services and technology sectors. Our tax rolls are doing far better than anybody expected. We have, uh, we just have passed the biggest state and city budgets in history. Our city budget is now bigger than Florida. So we are, um, we are still living off of the prosperity and the ingenuity and success of our innovation economy that has developed in New York City over the last 20 years. And, um, and hopefully the politicians appreciate that that's a private sector phenomenon that's been really important for the city. And, um, and we can give big business some credit for this and, and instead of slamming them. But on the other hand, we have great disparities. The people who are out of work are largely black and brown. The people who got sickest and suffered the most deaths from the COVID are largely black and brown. We have the whole upset and, and displacement, uh, uh, upset over the racial injustices associated with the whole situation with the police department, the criminal justice system. We have the increasing crime. We've got a whole bunch of issues to resolve. Fortunately, and, and this is a, a silver lining of the COVID I have seen communities come together and help each other and neighbors help each other um, in ways that are reminiscent to me of the 1970s and early 80s when we had our last big fiscal crisis, the city's near bankruptcy. And when we were doing a tremendous transition, we lost a million people. We lost half our Fortune 500 companies as we transitioned from an industrial economy, a waterfront industry, industrial economy, 
to the service economy in the 70s. In about five years, we had tremendous crisis. Neighborhoods, communities came together to help themselves because government didn't have the resources to do much of anything. And the same thing I've seen happening while government was focused full bore uh, on the health crisis, communities came together to support each other and to provide services and to make sure people, you know, neighbors had groceries and that the elderly had visitors and that the healthcare workers were applauded with pots and pans as they were going off to save lives. So I've seen communities come together in a way that demonstrates the strength and resilience of New York. So I think that's what keeps us all going. And I think that's the hope for the future. And I think we recently saw in the mayoral election, it was basically, I think, a unifying election where people came together in pretty positive thinking about how we've got to tackle public safety, priority number one, how we've got to tackle affordability issues for those who have suffered most, how we have to restore jobs, get people back to work. I think the political dialogue during this election has been more positive and constructive, certainly than anything we've seen in the last eight to 12 years. Thank you. On that note, let's close on the optimistic note. Great to talk with you and hear your thoughts and observations as always. Kathy Wild, president of the Partnership for New York. Thanks, Kathy. Thank you, Joe and Neil. Nice to be with you. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.